man. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I saw I saw your comments. Uh, they kind of went viral uh, over the Rashada situation, and you did not certainly you know hold back things. But I want to uh, go about this, Chris, from a different angle. I mean, obviously, this doesn't help Florida at all. There are some fans who think Florida has a bigger problem in terms of you know not having enough skin in the NIL game. Do you think that's true? Do you think it's a problem? I mean, I've, I've heard that. I, I don't know numbers by any means. I mean, I, I think there has to be some, you know, some some accuracy there based upon the the actual results. Uh, I, I think the bigger problem, though, than skin in the game, to me, sounds like coordination, coordination and alignment. I mean, that that to me is what seems to to be you know out of whack right now, and that's. Really, the thing that I feel that maybe I'm most embarrassed about of the whole thing is the fact that, you know, and I'm sure this isn't the first deal that's gone awry, and I'm, I'm you know, there's so many aspects of it that I, I'm displeased with, but, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I, I think that I am lamenting about the current situation is just the lack of, of real alignment and leadership that I see. And I, I don't lay that by any means on the feet of, Coach Napier, or the, you know, I, I don't know who, whose issue that is, but it's just that idea of too many cooks in the kitchen, it seems like. The, the bigger issue here, my friend, <clears throat> is what is going to happen with this. You know, what, where is the future of this to yeah. realign the game? What do you see? I have no idea. You know, my, my, real, my real anger and resentment goes back to the NCAA because with any leadership, with any foresight, with any awareness – this would have been addressed and mitigated long ago, but it's the, the dig the heels in the ground. It's this position on amateur athletics. It's the greediness that's led us to where we are right now to the point where it got to the highest courts of litigation, and the NCAA now is terrified to not only put rules into place but enforce the ones that we have. I mean, everything that we're talking about here is clearly pay for play. That is outside the rules, but yet there's nobody enforcing it and everybody's doing it. I'm not sitting here you know, blaming just the University of Florida. I mean, everybody is participating in this, and everybody's trying to act like it's not the elephant in the room. It is. I, I am the most passionate college football fan there is. And even I am getting turned off on it. I wonder what people that are casual fans – feel right now with all of this going on uh, well that you just I'm, I'm glad you said that because it actually led to my next question i think when the week one rolls around and florida's playing utah or the first home game starts that fans will forget at least for a while they'll still go through the pregame rituals enjoy everything do you believe that they'll forget about it until Florida goes six and six again, and then they're going to complain about the lack of commitment as it relates to NIL and not really wanting to compete on the highest level. I mean, that, that's the, I think that's the part that people have to reconcile. It's like, are, are, are we going to go all in on this, or is there some desire to be something different? I mean, you, you see the schools that are having the biggest impact. Miami has been completely irrelevant. All of a sudden, this guy, John Ruiz, comes in with a bag, and just, you know, now, now that, that recruiting class has – jumped up significantly in what they're able to bring in Oregon with the, the commitment of Phil Knight. Like the, there are a lot of people at other schools that have a lot more money. Look at Texas A&M. And the, what we went through last summer was the biggest joke in the world, the fact that Coach Saban called out Jimbo Fisher and he acted like that wasn't true. Everybody knew that all those players were bought. Now here, here's the other thing that I think is interesting about it. You can go out 
and put together the greatest recruiting class ever as it you know, relates to the rankings, that doesn't mean you're going to have a good football team. That program in College Station is complete mess because they didn't identify the right people for the culture. You may have gone out and got really good football players, but when you bring hired mercenaries in that don't care anything about your school, the tradition, what it means to, to attend that school, what it means to play for that school, or even that there's value in going to that school other than using it as a way to get money or take you to the next level, there's no real buy-in. And I think that's what I loved about the Stetson Bennett story. And maybe it's too personal and close to home to me, but a guy that grew up a Georgia fan that wanted to play there forever, that walked on, left, came back, you know, that, that, that you know, living and dying for a school, that day and age of that is over with, unfortunately. And so you're not really going to have that commitment. You're not going to really have the culture that you need, and you're certainly not going to have guys that come in that are worried about team. They're more worried about me, as the case here appears to be with, with this particular player. Um, with the quarterback room now being what it is, we, we can't make an like, – let, let's take Mertz, okay? Wisconsin isn't exactly a pass-happy offense, but his numbers, you know, were kind of pedestrian. What are your thoughts with him in this system? I wasn't overly impressed with what he did at, at Wisconsin, but in talking with guys on the staff that I trust, that I know are good football minds, and, and, and seeing what they've seen since having a chance to evaluate him here, I mean, they feel really good about him. So I, I have no choice but to defer – to them in terms of knowing what, what they were going to do. And, you know, again, like you have to trust the people that are in place from a coaching standpoint to put together, evaluate, be able to, to decide who the best fits are for what you're trying to accomplish, who's going to be the best fits in the locker room. And I think that, that you know, I, I, I don't have any reason to distrust Coach Napier or any of the rest of the staff. Um, I think it was a tough situation last year in trying to – to handle that quarterback room where you had an outstanding athlete playing the position, didn't necessarily um, have the, 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 the backups to be able to use Richardson the way you wanted to. And so it just it feels a little unfulfilling seeing Anthony leave and not really achieving what may have been possible. But, you know, this is a guy that's, gonna, that, that's bring, being brought in specifically from this staff to play in this offense, and, and maybe it ends up being a better fit in the long run. Chris, during our guest, you see him on the SEC Network. We're talking uh, sort of global uh, college football here. Chris, with, with the different states having different rules for NIL, this isn't helping either, but Mm-mm. Congress wants no part of this. The NCAA wants no part of this. So who's left? Yeah, I think this is what ultimately is going to push – the breakaway from the NCAA where big-time college football goes off and does their own thing. And, and I've talked about this before. Like, even as NIL was being rolled out, sometimes when you're a part of something that's really special, uh, an elite club, you know, a, 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 a job, sometimes you have to sacrifice what everybody else is able to do. You know, the fact that, that a student can leave one school and go somewhere else whenever they want, uh, but it, it used to be a student-athlete didn't necessarily have that ability or a guy that's on campus that has a YouTube channel that can make a bunch of money off of NIL stuff in that way. That's not an athlete. Sometimes, you know, you, you have to sacrifice those things to be a part of something special. I, I you know, there's, there's plenty of States where smoking weed is legal, but you know, the, the, the schools you play in the athletic programs, the, the NCAA have rules that still implement drug testing and, and you have to abide by those rules if you want to be a part of something. So I don't have a problem with, 
you know, this this entity, whatever it ends up being, the college football playoff breaking off and doing their own thing with with these schools. But it, it, it needs to be something that's creating uniformity. There needs to be rules in place that are actually enforced, and it needs to, to be done quickly to help to sustain the, the competitive balance. Because I, I think there were a lot of people that said NIL was going to help keep the competitive balance. To me, it just seems like it's getting worse with the haves and the, and the have-nots going in two different directions. I got two last questions for you, Chris, and this one's going to be a little painful. Where today do you see Florida in the hierarchy of the league? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely painful. And, and I don't think people realize the undertaking that Coach Napier and the staff had in trying to you know, get Florida back to, to where we're used to being. Um, the ironic part about it is that there were two new coaches in this league this last season. You can clearly see what was inherited in Baton Rouge by Brian Kelly's staff and what was inherited here at Florida. Now, you know, you, you, you add in some of the, the, the dynamics of, you know, what happens in the state here with, with Miami, you know, committing to NIL money, pay-for-play money, whatever it is, recruiting inducements. Um, you know, in a place like Louisiana, everybody in that state wants to, wants to play at LSU. It, it, it's tough here in the state of Florida with, you know, the three, the big three, the resurgence of, of, of Florida State, what Miami's doing, committing money there, what Alabama and Georgia do and Clemson do coming into the state. So there, there's an uphill fight to begin with, but I just I think that 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 roster last year was devoid of real SEC talent, and I think that's why you've seen so much attrition on that roster. Like it, that's a good thing. The people that were lamenting some of these players that were leaving, I hate it for them. But in talking with guys again that I trust on the staff, they were adamant about cleaning out what was there, not only to upgrade the talent, but just the culture that existed was not where. Florida needs it to be, not where Billy Napier and his staff want it to be. Final question for you, CD. Um, there are some critics who think that Napier didn't do enough in the transfer portal compared to you know other schools in the league and other schools nationally. Is that valid? I mean, again, you have to trust you know your coach's evaluation of what you have on the roster, what what's out there in the transfer portal, the the fit. Um, you have to be able to to you know, stick with what your strategy is. Are we trying to build through the high school? Are we trying to, to fill holes with the transfer portal? Are we trying to make over the roster like Ole Miss has done in, in the last couple of years? I, I, I think you have to determine who you want to be and the path that's going to take you there before you, you, you decide to, to, you know, willy-nilly go out and sign a bunch of guys that may or may not be good fits. I, I remember – you know, you, you know this, Steve. Back in the day, the equivalent to me is almost like the junior college guys. I mean, we, yeah. rarely did we bring junior college guys in. And when you bring junior college guys in, a lot of times you're asking for a headache. Guys that you know were at junior colleges for a reason. Guys that that you know were were good athletes at that level, but had a hard time acclimating. It's a little different now with the transfer portal and being able to bring in guys that have you know established themselves as legitimate SEC caliber players, but. But still, you don't know what you're going to get. That's why I thought it was so such a, a dice roll uh, in Oxford last year. You brought in, what, 24, 25 transfers, and you know, they, they could have hit. They could not have hit. I think there was a little bit of fool's gold there last year with what their record was in the beginning of the season, who they played on the schedule. But I, I, I still think that's not a sustainable long-term way to be successful. Look at what Georgia's done to build. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's 
to me, still the way you have to do it is go out, identify the right high school talent, bring them in, develop them more than anything, convince them to stay around, show them the path to their success, and, and find ways to fill holes with the transfer portal as opposed to you know, trying to make over the roster from, from bottom to top. It's going to be an interesting ride here uh, over these next few months to mm-hmm. see what happens, and we'll bring Chris back, and it's always a pleasure to have him. CD, I yeah, appreciate you, man. You. Yep, thanks for yeah, doing anytime, it. Anytime, man. Talk okay, to you, Okay, thank you.